The Great Improbability. This is part seven of the audio drama. It has crossed my mind There's so little time That we lived in the sweet forever The Great Improbability, an autobiographical mystery by the people of Earth. David Sayer, author. The Leary Farm, 1959 to 1960. I can see most of James Leary's farm from the tall windows of our sixth-grade classroom, looking over the more prosperous tobacco fields, beyond the apple orchards, down toward the river, it's a poor spread, even by our modest standards, clinging to the final slope of Gildersleeve Hill, leaning into the Connecticut River, just holding on. Ah, poor Jamie. I did my best with him, I think, but I couldn't make the classroom fit him. He was too long for the small desks, his legs sticking out under the student in front of him or set awkwardly into the aisle. And he couldn't hold still, always seemed trapped in here. I couldn't keep his attention long enough to slip much learning into that big square head. And his father was impatient, of course, for those big hands and broad back. How could we keep him in here, with so much work to be done in the barn and the fields? Our books and numbers had little to offer the work, always waiting." And I have to admit he worked hard once he got out of my classroom, hard and faithfully down there, trying to make the place respectable, trying to make a good home for our sweet Gwen until she died. Now there's his farm, his father's farm, his boy's farm. Has another generation really gone by? If Jimmy and Joey had married, I might be seeing their children one September now. But they'll never have children, never see the farm again. They were doing okay with it until the beating. Now they're gone, and the place is falling back into disorder. Oh, dear, look at it now. How fast a farm falls apart if you don't build it up every morning. Somewhere down in those old buildings, little Megan, I still call her little, even though she towers over me, that poor little girl is trying to run a farm. James is no good now. I doubt he ever helps her after the tavern opens. I have to think of some way to get her out of here. December 28, 1959. Got letter from Joey and Jimmy. Bridgewater State Hospital, Christmas, 1959. Dear Megan, me and Jimmy got your Christmas, Christmas card. Thanks. Don't worry about us. We're as tough as anybody in here, and we got each other. 
but don't try to visit us. We don't never want to see you in here. It ain't no place for a girl. We did like getting your letter, but don't write no more. It makes us feel sad. Look, you got to keep on with your schoolwork. Get out of that hick town and make something of yourself. Don't end up like us. Just forget us. If you promise to do that, we'll feel okay. You get it? Please do that for us. I know we never said it, but we do love you, you know. Your brothers, Jimmy and Joey. So, I'm really alone. January 1, 1960. Trying to care for Daddy. More and more alcoholic. Never came home last night. Had to get his friends to help me carry him to bed this a.m. This is going to kill him. And maybe me too. February 15. Hate this damned farm. Can't keep up. Cows milked twice a day, chickens fed, haying and manure shoveling, and clothes washing and cooking. Have to keep selling milk and eggs to pay for food and kerosene so we don't freeze. Can't afford clothes. Repairs needed. Roof leaking. Barn falling in. Well water dirty. Too much. March 15. Julius Caesar assassinated today. Wish someone would do me the favor. May 1. May Day. Maidens dance around phallic symbols. Thinking about dropping out of school. A few of the older boys like me could get married and have a man to help keep up with the farm, have some babies. Could be okay. Everybody else does it. I'm proud to say I was Megan Leary's friend. Back when not many kids would be. She was real smart and helped me a lot with homework and stuff. Especially those awful word problems in algebra. And I thought she was really pretty. In a colored way, of course. Tall and graceful. Curly hair, great figure and all. But my mom and pa didn't want her around. Pa especially. I don't want you hanging around with that Leary kid. She's a bad example. Her father's always in the tavern, and who knows what happened to her mother. Pa, I said, Megan's ma died when she was born, and she don't drink like her pa. Yeah, that's what she says, but that farm is a stinkhole, and I seen the older kids looking at her, and even some of their fathers. You don't get a figure like that from holding hands, you know? I didn't know your figure could be helped by what you did with boys, but mine sure needed some help. Anyways, I decided not to tell my folks anymore when I was with Megan. We used to go for walks after supper around my neighborhood, and sometimes the richer kids would cruise by in their fancy cars and pick us up. We never did nothing really wrong, just fooled around. One of them, Julian Stearns, asked me one night to go steady with him, and I figured my folks would like him. Only his best friend was Charlie Randall, and Charlie liked Megan, so it got complicated. Anyways, Charlie had the neatest car you ever seen. Real cushions in the seats and wood on the dashboard and like portholes in the fenders and stuff. And Julian and him used to pick us up almost every night and we'd go parking. Of course, they always wanted to feel us up. And I got to admit, I liked it. Even though I didn't have that much to feel, especially compared to Megan. But one night, Megan says, 
I don't think we should keep doing this. It doesn't make a girl feel good about herself, you know? If she just gets picked up after dark and never goes anywhere on a date. So the boys got all mad and said they'd take us home. But after a while, Julian says, We was going to ask you out if you hadn't made a big deal out of it. Right, Charlie? And Charlie says, yeah. They was talking about it anyway. And how about a movie Saturday night? So we went out a few times and had milkshakes and fries after the show and had a good time. Only I noticed that Charlie was careful about being seen by his friends with Megan. Like he'd be holding her hand on the sidewalk and then let it go when somebody came up. And we always seemed to go places farther from home than we had to and stuff. Then one day, I overheard some of his friends laughing with him. You know the kind of laugh. Real loud, more like a howl from a pack of animals. Like they knew a bunch of inside jokes and nobody else would get it. I was inside the Greeks and just coming out with a hot dog. And I stopped where they couldn't see me. So Chuck, you getting colored tit from that stack broad? I thought Charlie would slug him or something, but he just laughed along with them. Yeah, and then some, man. I felt really sick and went back inside and threw out my hot dog and cried. But I couldn't figure no way to let Megan know. I didn't want her to get hurt. I wanted to say, Jesus, Charlie, you got a lot of money and Megan got nothing. But I figure she's worth two of you any day. But I was scared that would just make things worse. So I kept quiet for a while. Then I thought of a way to help Megan find out for herself. Hey, Megan, do you think these guys really care about us? I mean, they just say sure, but how could we test it? Megan looked at me hard and made a face like she'd been thinking about that too. So I said, why don't we ask them to take us to a dance or someplace with a lot of other kids and see how they treat us? Megan just looked sad and said, kind of quiet. Sure. We was walking home and split up then because she had a lot farther to go. I sort of turned to watch her go, and then I realized, wow, that's easier for me than for her. I don't live on a poor farm with an alcoholic pa, and my skin ain't dark. I hope I did the right thing. Now I can see that Megan must have figured out what I was doing, and probably knew anyways herself. But I think I'd done my best. And anyways, like I said, I'm proud I was her friend. June 15. Who was I kidding? All those guys are losers. Only interested in sex. Tried to picture myself with any of them by a fire in the evening. We'd just get old hating each other. I can't leave my studies. Only things that mean anything to me. Maybe I'll just run away. Find another town. Another school. Get a night job. Work my way into college. Shit, I can't leave daddy. August 31. Only two hay crops this year. Too much rain. Shit, I don't care. Fall coming. Can't go through another winter. What will I do? October 28. Been thinking about quick ways to end it. Talked to some kids in school who seemed to know. Got some razor blades. Could end the pain. Maybe this is my last entry. Though the journey seems long It doesn't take long To realize 
the song always has an ending here in the sweet forever Appearing in Part 7 of The Great Improbability were Dennis Johnson, Nancy Rockwell, Dolly McDaniels, Duncan Watt, Megan Nolan, DJ Ingalls, Michael Venn, Tim Curcio, and David Clark. Produced by Dennis Collins Johnson.